0: Hello, hello guys. And thank you for tuning into another episode of the dream bigger podcast. Before we dive into today's interview, I wanted to remind you that I'm giving away a Lightroom preset to everyone who subscribes to and reviews this podcast. Just make sure you send me a screenshot to sifa.h91 at gmail.com. And in case you don't know what a preset is, it's basically a custom filter for your pictures, which makes them look super polished and Instagrammable. Reviews mean the world to me because they would help me get amazing guests, just like Dr. Mahmoud Zarian, who I'm chatting with today. Mahmood focuses on advanced therapeutic programs, which covers modalities like chiropractic and physiotherapy. And he also works with the Canadian Olympic gymnastics team. So it goes without saying that he's pretty talented. I can actually test to Mahmood's talent firsthand. So a bit of a backstory. I've had major issues with my ankles for as long as I can remember. I've just had a history of fractures and sprains, which have left my ankles super weak and injury prone. I went to Mahmoud for a session and was blown away by both his technique and his ability to explain to me exactly what had gone wrong. I knew that day that I had to have him on my podcast. Mahmood and I chat about all things manual medicine. We get into details about the human body and how to treat and avoid injuries, what exactly chiropractic medicine is, in case you're a skeptic, his work with the Olympic gymnastics team, and so much more. I can guarantee that this episode will teach you things about the body that you probably never knew, so I'm excited for you guys to hear it. So with that, let's welcome Dr. Mahmood to the Dream Bigger Podcast. All right, Mahmoud. So, so to start, go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners.
1: Um, uh, well, my name is Mahmoud Zarin. I'm a practicing chiropractor here in the city of Toronto, and um, I, I guess my designation is chiropractor. That's how, yeah. that's how most people would recognize me. I, I like to consider myself just as a manual medicine practitioner mm-hmm. um, because I don't... Uh, I close myself to traditional chiropractic approaches to dealing with injuries or performance or rehabilitation.
0: So you do chiropractic. What else do you kind of like, I guess, specialize in or like work on? Uh,
1: So in in medicine, we would say what modalities you would use. And um, I guess I'll talk about the various different modalities Mm -hmm. that I would use. But essentially what I do, what, what anybody in my position do, does is mm-hmm. try to make your, your body work better. Yeah. Whether that means getting it out of pain or, or that means moving better or performing better. So that's what I do. And, right. and the modalities that I choose are, or the inputs I try to find to get to the body to facilitate change in mm-hmm. are the ones that I think that have the, have the uh, greatest potential to affect change. And that's, I use a lot of electroacupuncture. And a lot of manual work with my hands and throw in joint manipulation and mobilization that most people will be familiar with as traditional chiropractic approaches and uh, corrective exercises.
0: Cool. So walk me through the basics of what you do for someone who knows absolutely nothing about these modalities.
1: Okay. I, so talk about the modalities, or what yeah, do do yeah, like what you walks do.
0: In? W- well, both, like the what exactly the modalities are, because like I think that a lot of people don't actually know, like what does acupuncture do? What does like, um, like what is it? You call it electromagnetic therapy? Is that electro-acupuncture? what you? Say? Uh, yeah, yes. electroacupuncture. <laughs> like, um, chiropractic. Yeah. Like, what are they to like just like a complete beginner?
1: Okay, good question, and I'll try to answer that. I'm not. Um, yeah. I know I may not always do it to the best for okay. uh, the listeners, but so um, I'll talk about acupuncture. I, mm-hmm. I think most people think of acupuncture in two different, either the, a traditional Chinese approach, which seems very abstract in its methods and its approaches, mm-hmm. and the needles are going, meridians, what these meridians do, right. most people aren't aware of, and um, one thing we know about acupuncture it, that we realize over the la- the research we've done over the last four decades is mm-hmm. that if you don't have a healthy nervous system, then it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And so based on that, we can draw the conclusion that what we're trying to faci- give input to mm-hmm. to create change in the body with the acupuncture needles is to is stimulate the nervous system. Mm-hmm. And so what I do and what I teach and what I've uh, been taught with regards to the use of acupuncture is mm-hmm. taking needles... Mm-hmm. Putting it in the body in specific parts of the body mm-hmm. where you can have a strong input to the nervous system to facilitate change, and that change could be modifying or modulating pain, or improving movement potential within the body. Um, so that's what I think the the very simplest way I can talk about what acupuncture is. And, and acupuncture as a term, it's to me it's just needles in the body. Some okay. people use the term dry needling. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same thing in my, in my books, it's a needle going in the body mm-hmm. and the term dry needling, if you're familiar with, I'm not sure if you are, but if other people are, it's just a term that got created to differentiate needling that was used from a traditional Chinese perspective yeah. to a more, um, modern, uh, medical approach. Mm-hmm. So that's at its basic level, what the needles are doing It's trying to stimulate to give an input to the body, to the nervous system in particular. Yeah. To help facilitate change in the behavior, which mm-hmm. can manifest itself in less pain, better movement, um, and more more capacity to do things with your body.
0: Okay, and what about chiropractic?
1: So chiropractic medicine is um, its be, uh, its main input to the body to facilitate change is through joint mobilization and manipulation. Yeah. So that's me taking a joint in your body and facilitating either a low or high velocity input um, into it that mm-hmm. can help mobilize the joint or have it move better or improve functionality of the joint. The joint in the body is sort of like, in terms of the hierarchy, it's king. If the joint's not healthy, everything around the joint's not going to behave well, including the muscles. And so that's what chiropractic medicine is. But But most of the Chiropractors nowadays learn how to do soft tissue work, learn mm-hmm. how to use other modali- modalities, and mm-hmm. uh, not just relying on chiropractic manipulation, which was what predominantly chiropractors relied on uh, in years past.
0: Mm-hmm. So what got you interested in this field?
1: Um, well, not because I had a good experience with a chiropractor <laughs> or a physiotherapist for that matter. I, I, uh, I, I was just always really interested about the human body. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was an athlete myself and uh, was, uh, if you could, I think all athletes are type A athletes, but I was very much so, and I was always driven to be better physically. And so it led me to want to learn more about how mm-hmm. I could do that. And I became a strength coach, a strength and conditioning specialist in the process, and I realized, okay, I want to know more. When did you become a strength and conditioning specialist? Uh, very young. I was 18 years old. Wow. And. Um, and so I was I was really curious and very interested. So I was an avid learner to try to learn and, um, and develop myself. And then I went to, uh, to university and did uh, uh, my undergrad in kinesiology, and I still wanted to m- know more. And at that point, it was an either, either going down the path of or being an orthopedic surgeon mm-hmm. or chiropractic or physiotherapy. And, and uh, orthopedic surgery would have required... Uh, me to work a little bit harder in school and and spend more time in school. So I didn't go down that path and I'm happy I didn't. And, um, and so my, my best friend at the time went into chiropractic college. And so I said, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go down that path. I did not knowing much about chiropractors, but being just interested in learning more about the human body. And so that's how I ended up being in a position. I just sort of followed my interest and my passion, which was learning about the human body.
0: Cool. And so Right now, for example, if someone comes to you for a session, what does it look like?
1: I'm the first initially just uh, getting a comprehensive assessment Mm -hmm. to see what's going on, whether if they're coming in because of pain, Mm -hmm. distinguishing what's contributing to the manifestation of the pain. And and, uh, oftentimes how we may automatically think is if I have knee pain, there's something not right in my knee, but that may not always be the case. You may have Um, other elements of your body your hip your ankle your back not Mm -hmm. functioning well that's loading the knee so going through a comprehensive um uh, biomechanical and neurological assessment to see what's going on but Mm -hmm. looking at other contributing factors as well um nutritionally, what's contributing to it, other metabolic stuff that may be going on in the body. Really? It's intuitive. like
0: a like all of that stuff, I guess, plays a part as well then.
1: Yeah. And one of the things that we're always shifting our paradigms of understanding how the human body behaves, and mm-hmm. the current paradigm shift is recognizing that this organism, the human body, is, is, a, is a system mm-hmm. made up of various different subsystems, and they all interact with one another. Mm-hmm. And so we can't look at the body... From just one lens or one piece of the pie, we got to recognize all the different contributing uh, pieces that are that lead to the development of any issue in the body. That's a pretty big undertaking and uh, makes it a lot more challenging. But we have recognize that to provide really full, comprehensive care, we got to be able to address all the different elements that may be contributing to the manifestation of things. So. So I try to, to the best of my knowledge, Mm -hmm. take in as much information from all those different elements Mm -hmm. to get a sense of what's going on, and then from there create a plan of and let the patient know um, what it's going to require on their end, what it's going to require on my end, Mm -hmm. and then proceed with care and doing the various treatment interventions that I do, and then um, uh, in particular and ultimately including some corrective exercises and active component on the patient's end
0: hmm So I came to you for my ankle and guys like just to give you a bit of background like I have had like a history of injuries with my ankle and uh, like anytime I've gone to a doctor like from a sprain or kind of like a fracture like no one had really given me like a root cause or even like a like a proper treatment plan it was just like put on a cast or like a boot that it's like one of these like things look like moon boots, right? And then, like, you just can't really, like, mobilize your foot anymore. So um, what I'm going to ask is if someone... So Mahmood gave me some really, really interesting information. So what I'm going to ask you is if someone has, like, a sprain or they hurt their, like, any kind of, any part of their body, What would, what is something you recommend they do?
1: Um, well, any injury you have, I think it would, it would be... Um, not smart, smart of me to say that first seek out uh, a, a medical professional mm-hmm. to give you of proper course. guidance. Totally. Uh, having said that, um, I think the we recognize the number one sort of medicine for the body is movement. Mm-hmm. And so in recognizing what may be going on, mm-hmm. from there, devising and trying to move your body as best as you can with whatever's going on. So, mm-hmm. you know, what we... What we may have done in the past a lot of is Mm -hmm. immobilize a part of the body that's injured. Instinctually, we just don't want to move it because it hurts. Yeah, because we're scared. Exactly. Or if we go to a, like you did in your experience, saw the professionals, they would say, okay, there's something not right in this ankle. You've sprained this. You've Mm -hmm. damaged this tissue. Let's Mm -hmm. get you in an air cast, in a boot, and immobilize it so that it's not moving, so that it's not hurting. But there's detriments to the injured, or the, the body when you're not moving it. And right. So the first thing I would say is seek professional guidance and then move to whatever capacity you can without causing more harm. So you don't want to necessarily try to push through excessive pain, yeah. but you do want to move your body part. Now, uh, This is all obviously in re- keeping in mind what the nature of the injury. If it's a sprain, you're not going to. You know, you're not going to do further damage if you're just walking around a little yeah. bit on it.
0: Yeah, so totally.
1: The first thing I would say is move it. And and um, the, there's, there's a lot of benefits to movement. Just I'll, I'll give you an example that will make sense for people. Mm-hmm. The, when we, you know, stub our toe against something or hit our knee against something, mm-hmm. the first instinctual thing that we want to do is we want to rub it. Mm-hmm. That rubbing stimulates um, these mechanoreceptors. Mm-hmm. The term is not important, but these mm-hmm. receptors in our body that Send signals to our brain, to our spinal cord that stops the painful signals from getting there, thus allowing us to feel better so we can move. This happens when you're playing sports. If you, someone hits you, the first thing you want to do is you want to get up and you want to walk it off because mm-hmm. movement stimulates certain things in our body to actually overcome the painful response that's been started from a trauma. And so with any injury that you have, trying to find the best appropriate movements to do in accordance to what state the injury is in Mm -hmm. is probably the best thing you can do.
0: That is so interesting because like, it's funny because yeah, when you do have a sports injury, people are like, walk it off, walk it off. But then like, that's so funny. I didn't even like think of why Mm -hmm. that. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. That's really, really, really interesting. Um, Okay. So what are some common causes of injury that you see?
1: Um, it's a very simple formula mm-hmm. on why injury happens. Yeah. And injury happens because whatever load or whatever forces you put on your body is more than its capacity. Mm-hmm. And so um, based on that formula and the common causes of injuries is, is either we increase uh, the volume of work of what we're doing. So let's say, you know, I'm, I'm used to doing going on the elliptical once or twice a week, and all of a sudden I say to myself, you know what, this year is going to be different, I'm going to go to the gym more, and now I start going every day, mm-hmm. one or two times a week of 30 minutes on the elliptical to now seven days of 30 minutes of the, on the elliptical, that's a big volume increase. And mm-hmm. if your tissues, if your muscles, and if your joints aren't, don't have the capacity to handle that quick increase, mm-hmm. injuries happen. Interesting. And, and that's also very common in the public because, you know, you know, we get older and we're not as active. But all of a sudden a friend calls us up or an opportunity comes up for us to be active for a lot in a short period of time. And mm-hmm. over two three days we may go and play sports, go for a run. And that sudden increase in activity um, usually has us load our body greater than our capacity and injuries happen. And then the other way it it typically happens is if we're not actively doing things to maintain our our body's capacity aerobically, um, flexibility, strength, and all that stuff, then our capacity as we age starts to diminish. That's just part of the aging process. And so even if we're doing the same things that we've always done, but our capacity is diminished within our body, that also lends itself to injury. So for an example of that is let's say you work at a computer, for eight hours a day, for five days a week. Mm. You're doing the same computer work for the last 10 years of your job, but mm-hmm. over the course of those 10 years, your body has aged. You haven't done anything in terms of physical activity to try to maintain it. And now your body has less capacity to handle the loads that you're giving, which is the typing that it did 10 years ago. And so now, 10 years later, you now develop an injury because although it's the same loads and forces, your capacity is diminished.
0: So interesting. So this is like total, I guess, um, sidetrack, but just on the same note, how do you feel about um, like workouts that I guess like put a lot of um, strain on your joints, like running or like boot camp style classes? Like how do you feel about those in that case?
1: It, I don't, I, there's no, I don't have an issue with any particular workout or exercise regime as long as your body has the capacity to handle it. hmm and if, like just to give you an example, because there's some boot camp classes that would do this. Mm-hmm. If they have you jumping up and down a big step mm-hmm. 10 times or as, as many as you can for mm-hmm. 30 seconds or five sets of mm-hmm. it during the workout, that's called plyometric training.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that explosive type training requires you to have a certain strength within your tendons of your muscles. And to have that kind of strength, you have to be, let's say in the case of a jumping you want to be at a point where you're, lift, you're able to lift one and a half times your body weight and you've been doing that regularly for four to six months to actually have the tissues in your tendon to be able to handle the explosive jump. For some people, they, don't, they haven't spent the time to develop that. Right. They just decide, I want to do a boot camp class, I go and do that class, or I want to do a CrossFit class, and I go do that class, and they do these explosive jumps. It's only a matter of time before the tissues will, uh, will fail. It's, it's basic physiology, it's, mm-hmm. it's basic science that you can't escape, it'll only be a matter of time. So there's nothing wrong with, I don't have an issue with any particular fitness class or approach or regime, mm-hmm. as long as your body has the capacity to be able to handle what that class is asking of you. Yeah. And, um,
0: I guess just being mindful of like the, what, that is asking a few because like you're so right you know with plyometric like I don't do classes that ask me to do those kinds of jumps because I know personally that like I've never done it and Mm -hmm. I like logically speaking I don't know if I'd be able to handle it but I know that some people just think like oh I'm gonna go do a class like this having never done it before and it it, like it's true like it makes you so injury prone and like yeah okay like you can survive like the first few and then it's yeah if something goes wrong then it's just because
1: your body wasn't prepared for I guess, you exactly, know, yeah,
0: so it's it's quite interesting.
1: Yeah, it, it mo- most injuries are insidious and in onset, and what that means is they've developed for some time. Mm-hmm. Um, but you and I, our, our brains think in a very causative, ca- causal relationship, and that if I pain today, something must have happened in the immediate future uh, past to have caused it, not recognizing that, like you were saying, you know, I started doing this class. Three weeks ago, and it took three weeks before I finally it finally gave out. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. We may just think, "Oh, I'm, I'm, it must have been what I did yesterday," um, but but it's not always the case. And so, it, common sense usually prevails, mm-hmm. and common logic usually prevails. But you're right; you got to be really attentive and aware and recognize. Hold on a second, I haven't done this ever, or I haven't done this for ten years. Mm-hmm. And my body is now aged 10 years. Is it wise for me to jump into doing this kind of activity right off the bat without some time preparing for preparing for it?
0: What are some of your favorite, like um, I guess exercises or like kind of workouts um, that you could talk about that people can use just to like kind of maintain and strengthen those like muscles and tissues, I guess.
1: Um, so good question. Um, the, the First and foremost, I would say just try to do something that maintains your aerobic capacity, Mm -hmm. that gets your heart rate. It doesn't have to be elevated super high. I know right now what's really in vogue is doing high-intensity training, whether it's Mm -hmm. with weights or with cardio. Mm -hmm. Um, But to just even low-intensity or moderate-intensity aerobic exercise, where you maintain your heart rate at a moderate level for 30 or 40 minutes, three or four times a week, Mm -hmm at the most basic level that's that's the first thing that we do and the, and the reasoning being is that once we hit our fourth decade which is our 30s our blood vessels start to age their ability to transport oxygen and nutrients to tissues diminish if we haven't done anything to maintain it and so we leave our body susceptible to developing injuries because it can't get the tissues can't get the nutrients it need to recover mm. and how we can slow that process down is just to do aerobic conditioning mm-hmm. and so that's the first thing i would say and then on, on top of that any total body we call it compound exercises that you can do whether it's a squat whether it's a push-up whether it's a row um if you have the strength and the capacity whether it's a chin-up uh, all those exercises are simple exercises that you mm-hmm. can do at home mm-hmm. um and um those are probably the best exercises that you can do. Any, any, any movement that's moving multiple joints, multiple muscles at once, um, provide you with the biggest bang, uh, for your buckets that you will give you the best return on your investment in terms of the time you're putting in. Uh, so those specific exercises would be great. And then as, I mean, whether if you enjoy CrossFit, if you enjoy boot camp classes, all those things are, generally include some of the things that i've suggested Mm -hmm. you just again want to make sure that you have the capacity to handle those things so um that would that's where i think um where you'd get the where initially you'd want to sort of your attention to be on doing those things
0: do you recommend like yoga and pilates and stuff to people who come see you
1: as well yeah yeah absolutely i'm um, like I said, I'm not. Uh, I, I'm a proponent of all forms of activity. Yeah, right? they all have their benefits, and they all have value to do. And and uh, yoga is really great for a. It allows you to just slow down and calm down. So and from important. exactly not not just physically, mentally, and you know yeah. emotionally, even to be able to just slow yourself down. So there's benefits in that for your well-being mm-hmm. and your health. And um, and. Uh, gets you to move your body in ways that you typically don't move it, and which is if the, the more ways you can move your body, the better it is mm-hmm. for it.
0: Totally. So tell me how you started working with the Canadian gymnastics team.
1: Um, it was, it was quite organic and um, how it happened. I was, uh, I had a real interest in working with hockey mm-hmm. players given living in Canada and the popularity of the sport. So I was really busy trying to find ways to get into the hockey community and um happened to one day talk to a gymnastics coach I didn't know who was a gymnastics coach just mm-hmm. about how I treat how I go about things and it sparked her interest
0: where where did this conversation occur? this was at a
1: dinner party at a friend's okay. dinner party okay. and so totally
0: serendipitous
1: <laughs> exactly it was it, it was very out of nowhere and or, yeah. or like it was very serendipitous and I wasn't I, I didn't know anything about gymnastics right so she said, would you come to my club and treat some of our athletes? And, and um, it was early in my career at that time. So I had the time and I did. Mm-hmm. At that club, there happened to be a few national level gymnasts. Mm-hmm. And one of them uh, came to see me for an injury. I think he was told that he may need surgery. I said, let me just treat you and let's see how it goes. And he improved. Mm-hmm. Um, um, people within the national team, I guess, somewhat heard about it. They were holding a camp there one of the coaches said hey we have someone here who's really good he can be the therapist for the camp and and uh, I did I guess things went well at that camp and then they asked me to join the men's national team as one of the therapists and then a couple years after that I was asked to join the women's team as as a therapist and so and and now I have a profound appreciation for the sport and the athletes and gymnasts are remarkable remarkable athletes and I never even knew about Gymnastics. I mean,
0: just like the, I can't even imagine, like the wear and tear, like on their joints and oh. stuff. Like it's incredible that they keep going. Yeah, like, it's,
1: it's, a, it's a very f- physically and, and mentally demanding sport because there is really no off season. Right. There are twelve months a year. Yeah. You know, two weeks off. You know, they usually get two weeks off in the summer or something like that. So it's a very challenging sport, physically and mentally. And, and um, it's been a, it's a real pleasure to be able to work with them. And just a quick shout out for them that actually today. They just finished fourth in the team finals. Our women's team did, which is the highest we've ever done.
0: Yeah, that's which amazing. Is a, which is
1: amazing, yeah. It, it's So it's incredible. So the, the athletes, we have great athletes here. Yeah.
0: Uh,
1: yeah, and so it's it's great working with them.
0: That's really cool. So you travel around with them a lot. Um, what's a day in the life of you?
1: When, when traveling around? Yeah. Um, well, it most... So how does it start? It usually it starts from going to training. I'll go with the team to training, whatever the training looks like, and then um, usually on some of these trips, there's multiple trainings within a day. Mm-hmm. So they train, we come back, we have a meal, I treat. Um, I spend whatever time there is in between the training treating.
0: So with when you say treating, like does that mean like preventative injury? Like like what do you mean by treating? Like what do you do specifically?
1: most gymnasts have at least one injury at all times that they're dealing with in my experience so what? so there's a lot of oh there's a lot God. of um, I mean there's preventative stuff that's always included we mm. always strive to try to make things preventative um, and include things like that. But it's usually management of some injury that's going on.
0: That's bananas. They're just this like is. casually have an injury, but just, you know, oh, I know. going this is, about. This is as why it I is. appreciate them so much. They're so
1: mentally tough to, to do that.
0: Yeah. No kidding.
1: And then, and then preventative stuff with some of the athletes who, who, um, where we can focus on that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, so we'll just spend time treating and then they'll go back into their afternoon training and then come back and we do more treatment afterwards in the evening they go to bed. It, the days end up being very busy. From the moment you wake up, you're either in the training gym treating, training gym treating, um, which is great. I don't I don't mind it at all. But that's typically how the day goes. And and then you get the thrill and the excitement of being in the competition with them on the on the gym floor when they're competing.
0: That is so cool. Yeah. Okay. So moving away from this, I wanted to ask you if someone is looking for a good like I guess physiotherapist, like chiropractor, acupuncturist, someone who like practices, these modalities, Mm -hmm. like, how do you find the right person? Like, are there questions you ask? Like, what should they look out for?
1: Um, I think if someone is, spends time with you, that's probably the first thing. And and not just spending time and talking with you, but spending time looking and assessing and trying Mm -hmm. to figure out what's going on in your body. That's usually a good sign mm-hmm. um, because not all injuries, most injuries are not very simple in their what led to their presentation. Mm-hmm. And so if they do spend the time to try to distinguish all the contributing parts, you have a better chance of getting more comprehensive care and long-term mm-hmm. recovery from it. So I think that's number one. Uh, anybody who spends time recognizing or talking about Um, other contributing factors that may be going on usually also lends itself to being good i mean if they're just sticking to you have knee pain okay great do this exercise we're going to stick this on your knee this you know electrode on your knee and we're going to get x-rays if that's all that's done i'm not saying that's not going to be good level of care but if you can get something that goes above and beyond that that's even better if they're they're recognizing, okay, let's just look at your hip and make sure your hip's not contributing to this. That's such a good tip. Let's make sure, you know, you just, you know, you told me that stress level's been a little bit higher. Mm -hmm. Has that been affecting your sleep? Did you change anything in your diet? Mm -hmm. I I had one patient who after my first visit with her Mm -hmm. and speaking with her, I just recognized, you know what, I don't think anything that I'm doing is going to make a big difference. Yeah. I think what you need to go is eliminate this and this from your diet. Mm
0: -hmm. And really that's the kind of recommendation that's so interesting and
1: so she did that for four weeks she eliminated it and she hasn't had the issue come up at all so we were able to figure out that it the part of what was contributing to her pain is her consuming certain dietary stuff that just didn't respond well to her body and so if you have someone who investigates those things you're you're obviously better off and and um and, and the longer time that's spent with you in treatment the better
0: that is so interesting. I like I mean diet, who knew like yeah. just would manifest in physical pain 100%. as well? That's that's incredible. That's yeah. really really good information. So, how do you like how do you feel about I guess going to see a therapist like whether it's a, who practices different modalities, whatever it will whatever it may be for I guess maintenance. Like if you don't have an injury.
1: Oh, wow. I think I think um, any any sort of maintenance-type work mm. um, should be done for the human body on all levels, whether yeah. it's mental, physical, spiritual, whatever. Mm. So I, I think it's 100% of value. You're, you're given one vehicle in this life to go through and experience life in, and that's your human body. Yeah. And, and um, how well you take care of it, will, I think, has a direct relationship to how you experience life. If you... Mm. If you can't move well, or you're in pain, or you can't do certain activities, it's like nothing against Hyundai's, but it's like driving a twenty-year-old Hyundai on the road. You're just not going to enjoy the ride as much. Yeah. If you take care of your body and and uh, and your mind, and it's like having that nice Tesla or Lamborghini or whatever car you like driving around that. Your experience is going to be so much different. So, I think I, I think. It'll be it's when you start to recognize that, and usually we don't recognize that until we're older and we've lost the, mm. the capacity to do mm. things. I think it becomes very um, uh, silly to think that we sh- that we shouldn't be doing it. Right. One of my favorite quotes is by the Dalai Lama, and and I'm, just a segment of it says, "Someone asked him what surprises you about man as a human beings, and mm. he goes the, and one one part of his reply was is that we 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 spend a lifetime sacrificing our health to accumulate money. And then at the later stage of our, of our life, we spend all our money to try to recoup our health.
0: So interesting. Most
1: yeah. of, in, in fact, I think, I don't know the statistics, uh, but a, a large sum of our wealth that we accumulate is all spent on our health in yeah, the last yeah, decade of our life. Yeah,
0: you're so right.
1: And, and even if you spend 10% of that throughout the, your whole lifetime to manage mm. your health, um, you will never have to, you know, get in that position. A, you're living longer. B, you're living longer and healthier and, and enjoying, um, mm-hmm. you know, your life more. And B, you would have had more of your wealth left over. Yeah. So, I think it's I think it's it's uh, without a shadow of a doubt, everyone should. Um, um, I don't like to use a lot of should statements, but that's something that I think we should be to spend time doing that maintenance yeah. work
0: I, I mean I fully agree like I was reading some book and a doctor like some doctor's book I forget the name but he was basically like pay the farm now or pay the pharmacist later and it's so true I think it applies to yeah. like everything right because yeah. like you have to take care of your body Yeah. so if someone wants to go to like an acupuncturist or a chiropractor just like nothing is wrong but they want to go do that maintenance work how often do you recommend they go
1: um that would vary on the individual. Mm-hmm. I have people who come in once a month, let's say, mm-hmm. or one, and some who come in once a week. Um, um, like one of the benefits of let's say, in the case of acupuncture is, mm-hmm. is you're having effects on multiple systems on your body, not mm-hmm. just the muscular system. Mm-hmm. You're having effects on your digestive system, on your hormonal system.
0: Really? There's
1: people who use who are trying to get pregnant and they use acupuncture because it helps regulate aspects of the endocrine system and hormonal system and, and nervous system to aid in the body's ability to conceive. So in that case, I have some patients who come in once a week. They know they're in a high stressful job. It, their, their engine's revving at all times. So they come in once a week to help regulate that. But so anywhere from once a week to once every six to eight weeks, I think in, in anywhere in that time frame uh, based on the individual is, is a good um Is a good time frame to work inside of.
0: So interesting. I didn't know that acupuncture could help with like hormones and stuff as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's this is from now back to me personally. Why this is one modality that I use a lot of is because Mm -hmm. the kind of input that it can have on the body and the magnitude of effects is quite large if used appropriately.
0: I'm gonna ask you like how like if you want to target hormones for example with acupuncture, like how do you do that?
1: Um, well, like I said, all different systems in your body are interconnected. So Mm -hmm. let's say I have a high stress job. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that happens is that you have, you know, you have the fight or flight response and rest and relax response in your nervous system. The fight or flight response is going to be elevated and Mm -hmm. it's going to be on most of the time. Mm -hmm. And um, we're, our body's design is to, to spend just periods of time in that fight or flight and mm-hmm. the rest of it in a rest and relax mode. Mm-hmm. So you put a needle in the body and specific parts have a, a greater effect than other parts. What it does is it helps regulate that part of your nervous system. And in doing so, it triggers in certain higher level brain centers effects that affect the release of cortisol. And so then that hormone gets starts to diminish a little bit and regulate itself. And as that does then it gives the opportunity for other hormones uh, to bind to certain receptors that normally wouldn't because cortisol is now bound to those receptors. That then starts to have other hormones be released that wouldn't have otherwise. So it's this is sort of the chain effect, and it gets quite complicated, but in, in affecting one aspect of the system, it can have effects on other systems as it's regulated.
0: Wow. Huh. Yeah. I mean, that's really, really cool. Yeah. Okay, so before we wrap, I'm always curious about morning routines, so I'm going to ask you to walk me through okay. yours.
1: Okay. Um, I love my mornings, and I love waking up really early.
0: Same. I, yes, I love it. <laughs> it's my it. favorite time of day.
1: It is. It, I, I, um, there's a couple mornings during the week where I'm up at 4 a.m., and I, I love how quiet everything is at that time. So usually mm-hmm. my morning consists of I get up. Mm-hmm. First thing I do is I um, I jump in the shower, and I always have... I, whatever time I spend in the shower, 50 50s is in my normal, comfortable, hot mm-hmm. um, water. And then the second half or the other length of time is spent in cold water. So I'll shower in ice-cold water, not just the last 10 or 30 seconds, but actually... So if I wash my hair in warm water, I'll wash my body in cold water. Oh, that's so
0: brutal! Yeah. <laughs> I've not been able to do that yet. Like you are braver than I. <laughs>
1: I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't. Uh, I didn't love it, but you know, you slowly adapt. And, and there's, I think, health benefits of doing that, which I won't get into. But so that's what I do, and then no, I, and then okay, I go, get into it. Okay, I want to know. I <laughs> well, want to know. The, the, Let's the get
0: very, on a mental
1: level. It's it's. I heard this said once, and I think it's very accurate. It, it develops our our uh, resiliency. And, and our ability, it, let, let's say you're going through a difficult time in life. Part of what makes certain periods difficult is our, the feeling that we can't overcome it. Mm. And it's no different than spending five minutes under a cold shower washing yourself. If, you know, you probably feel like there's no way I could last five minutes, but you do that and you do that one day, two days, 10 days, 21 days, 50 days. You start to develop this resiliency that, hey, you know what? I can't overcome it. And that I, I'm very much of a proponent that, it'll bleed into other areas of your life. Mm. It's not like you leave your mind in the shower. Your mind goes
0: yeah, yeah, you everywhere. Yeah, of course.
1: And then from a physical level, it helps in um, uh, balancing certain hormonal releases. So for guys, it actually improves testosterone levels. Interesting. It balances your, your autonomic nervous system or regulates it. So mm-hmm. those are some of the physical stuff that happens. Um Yeah. So from there, then I go and I meditate every morning. So I meditate for an hour and uh, I'll spend an hour meditating and the end of which I always end um, spending a few moments just recognizing three things that day that I can be grateful for, Mm -hmm. whatever those three things may be. And sometimes...